Hope you guys are hanging in there. This is the Camel Call Podcast. Evan Budgerich with you today. And we're going to touch on some Campbell softball and dive deep with Amber Sisler, who's now a volunteer assistant at the University of San Diego. Amber just graduated three years ago. She was the Big South Player of the Year, her final season, and one of the best home run hitters in her day. Of course, Amber was known as a big knee state transfer, but she came on and made an instant impact. Two-time all-conference selection, and not only a pitcher and a hitting prospect, but someone who was feared among the nation's leaders. In fact, when she graduated, she ended her career reaching base 24 straight times. That's a new NCAA record. So with that, we're going to talk about her current venture, working as an assistant coach, her experiences playing overseas in Austria and New Zealand, and of course some great memories here at Campbell as part of the softball program. Okay, Amber, so first and foremost, someone from California who went to Big Knees State in Louisiana, what interested you or what made you want to come out to North Carolina and start your softball career in Bowie's Creek? You know what? It actually kind of happened. Like, I wouldn't say on a whim, but the decision happened pretty quickly. I had decided to transfer after my sophomore year from McNeese, and so I had spent the the whole summer at home um, just, like, working out in this softball facility that um, was in San Diego and just still practicing like I was going to play. And I was I was looking to transfer, but back then it was before the transfer portal and getting in contact with coaches is kind of like when you were getting recruited originally, like you're sending emails and trying to explain who you are. Um, but Coach Bradley was out in California recruiting for like travel ball. And he was up, I think like in Rosetta Canyon, which is about an hour and a half from San Diego. But I guess he had known the owner of the facility that I work out at all the time and they knew I was trying to transfer. And so she calls me up and she was like, can you be at the facility in like an hour? There's a coach that wants to come see you. So I was like, absolutely. So we did like a little private practice and I hit and he really liked what he saw. And part of my whole transferring situation is kind of funny to me. I think it's funny, but, um, so when my freshman year, I was like a bullpen pitcher. I never saw any innings. And then my sophomore year, I didn't actually pitch. Like I didn't throw it all. I didn't practice. I was just focusing on like hitting, being a deep being a DP and playing first base. And, um, I told coach Bradley when I emailed him, I was like, I used to be a pitcher. I'm totally open to like working back into it. Um, but I haven't pitched in a year and he shows up to his private practice and he's like, so do you want to pitch? Like throw a couple. (laughs) And I was like, like almost deer in the headlights because in my head, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I haven't pitched in over a year. I don't even know how this is going to go. It was a little rough, but I guess he liked what he saw because I ended up Coming out, um, my mom and I flew out to see campus and just see where I was going to be ending up if I decided on it. And it was like within the time I met Coach Bradley and the time I committed to Campbell and decided to move, it was like a two-week span. Man, that, that sounds pretty like, crazy. Yeah, that is, that's one of those on the whim, <laughs> let's go for it decisions. And, and it, certainly, yeah, it certainly paid for off sure. because, you know, you mentioned the pitching part. And it, I'm going to bring up some numbers here so you can blush and – just accept it. But, <laughs> you know, you threw 80 innings both years, had a pretty good record. But, man, I mean, the home runs, you ended <laughs> up with 34 home runs. And I knew, we knew you were a power hitter. But just to see that the strength and the ability to really drive the ball, what did you think just about when you were stepping into the box and how teams maybe approached you or even kind of feared you there at the end of your senior year? Um, I think that there was definitely a big transition between where my mentality needed to be my junior year versus my senior year. 
Um, I had spent a lot of time on working on training my mentality just because at McNeese, that's a really big reason why I struggled when I first went into college is I just put so much pressure on myself. And I think part of that transfer to Campbell was a big change in, in life for me. And for me, I treated it as like, this is yes, a fresh start, but this is also like my last shot at it. Like it's, I got to release the pressure and like take it off my shoulders and really play to my capabilities and like play free. And that was a big part of like my mentality. And I think my junior year, that's where I was at. I was just, I was playing free and I was playing confident and I was having fun. And yeah, it was, I think that taking that pressure off myself and really just honing in on like what made me good as a hitter and it's pitch selection a hundred percent. Like I, and I think that showed in my senior year as well, having to be a little bit pickier about what people are throwing me because especially teams in our conference that we played, you know, multiple times, it's they're, they're looking to get me out and, and that, or they're looking to get me to chase a pitch or hit a pitcher's pitch. And so I think for me, um, really honing in on that vision training and pitch selection and just being able to work in at bat and build an at bat and use the strategy um, to my advantage and learning to be patient in the box was huge because yeah, when everyone's out there looking to get you to chase or to intentionally walk you without showing it or really just intentionally walking you, it's you there, it takes a certain patience and like staying within yourself and not trying to make each at bat bigger than it is, but just take it one pitch at a time. It's neat too, because at the end of your career and this mark is still the record in the country, but you reach base in, in 24 straight at-bats. I know a lot of that was intentional walks and, and things of that nature, but how, how, what was it like just from a confidence standpoint, walking up and knowing, hey, it, it's tough to get me out right now and, and I'm rolling at a pretty good rate? You know, so I I had no idea that I was going for that record, and I think the coaches knew. They're like, we're not going to tell her because I think Coach Staley knew, and she was the first one to bring it up to me. She's like, so you knew, right? And after the season was over, I was like, no, I had no idea. But um, I think just the approach of like, it, it really comes back to that, like pitch to pitch mentality, like not trying to do too much with, with what you're given. Like if, if you're going into the box and you're thinking about the result of the game or the result of season, or even thinking about your own stats, it takes away from what you're able to give to that at bat. And I would even take it smaller than that bat each pitch, like understanding where you're at, where you're feeling, what the pitcher's throwing you, and just keeping it like pitch by pitch really simple um, is the best way to approach it because the bigger the picture in your mind when you're in the box, the more that's on your plate and the harder it is to chew and the heavier it could become for you. So really just keeping a simple approach for me, I think, was when I was at my best. Did that always happen? No, I'm a human being. I like to look back and talk talk on it like, I had this really tough strategy, but really I think um, my teammates held me accountable to Madison Herring was a, a godsend in my life. Not only is she still one of my best friends, but she was, I don't know, there's still pictures of her. She would give me pep talks basically before every at bat. And she would be like, you know, keep it simple, keep it small. Like you got this, you can do this. And I think that, yeah, having great teammates to hold you accountable and, and keep it, smaller picture instead of thinking too big was was definitely a good thing as well and, and we've chronicled her, her story a bunch with Madison and what she was able to overcome and I'm thinking of girls like Tasia Dubois that you played with and, and mm-hmm. gosh, just 
even thinking about that first year in 16 when you guys kind of came out of nowhere and made the conference final and and I think you you blasted four or five home runs that week and you know mm. all of a sudden you're, you're playing with, with in a conference championship I mean did you guys expect that and then as it's all unfolding what, what's going through your mind you know what I I think in a way we knew we were capable that season there were a lot of games that like we lost because of something small and it's like those correctable things where you know you're a better team than you're showing that you are and I think that there was just like a little switch right before we went to conference tournament it was kind of like a like what do we have to lose mentality why not us what do we have to lose and I think that we kind of just banded together in this yeah why not us mentality Courtney Roberts was out there pitching her heart out I mean that was her senior year and in that conference tournament she just she just lit it up and same with Katie like they were just tough to compete with and I think that there was just that string in the lineup of a lot of hitters that were playing like really good games having good strategies I mean it was like I mean it was Rachel it was myself Caroline and Megan Mazingo like just and just that little piece in the lineup of like back-to-back hits Madison it just all comes together and it was really fun and I think that once we got that first taste of like beating a couple of teams that had beat us earlier in the season it was like okay we can do this and then we beat Longwood that that first time we played them and we're like all right let's go for it I mean the last game didn't really didn't really go our way but you know to have a run like that after a season that's here and there and not your strongest I think was a really good way to finish that off and I'm glad that like Courtney, a senior, could have that her last year. I want to pull back the curtain a little bit because your your final year were in uh, Farmville, Virginia, for the conference tournament. It, it rained <laughs> a boatload. You know that's that was just yes. part of it. But you guys were really big into face painting that year and putting CUs and little camels and and all the different stuff with glitter <laughs> and whatnot. And I don't remember who tricked me into it, but someone was like, "Well, Evan, you got to do it, right? If you're filming, you know, in the in the dugout or whatever." So <laughs> I still have the picture somewhere on my phone, but I have this big CU with uh, orange and gray glitter on my face, and and it just made me think about and kind of the camaraderie of the group is is sort of where I'm going here. But just the the energy of softball obviously is very infectious. But what did you enjoy about it, and what kind of stood out to you about this group? You know, I think that. There was something, there was a lot of like just over the top energy at Campbell as, as a group, like we were all some very strong personalities Um, on the team. You just had girls that were like, you are not taking me down. Like this is going to be a fight. And just that, that internal energy of like, if you get punched, you're going to punch back is, is really good for a team. Um, And I think in that conference tournament too, is like, definitely did not go our way that was not our tournament but I think we were down by like I don't even know seven or eight runs but it was still like we were locked in and like working at it and and that is a team to come together and there was still loud energy in the dugout and there was still you know you with your eye black and all of us with our eye black and despite like the rain and the delays and everything that was going on just to keep that energy at any point if a team loses hope in what they're doing or loses the belief that they are capable, it's over for them. And regardless of if we won or lost, I don't think we ever lost that belief in ourselves of like, you know what, we're down by seven runs, so what? And you just keep pounding at it. Does it always go your way? No. But it was just a group of fighters, of strong personalities. It was definitely fun. 
I've always wanted to ask you because that season you won the player of the year in the conference, both for, for pitching and especially for hitting. And I know coming in, you had talked to a lot of us about how, hey, I just want to fit with the team. I want to make sure I'm getting playing time, this, that, and the other. What was it like kind of seeing your progression and then ultimately knowing, hey, I'm, I'm one of the better players in this conference and, and maybe even one of the better players in the country? I think that um, I really – I just focused on myself and didn't let, like, the accolades or anything like that really try to get into my head. Like, you could ask my teammates from the day I showed up at Campbell until the day I left, like, extra work and getting extra swings in and, like, taking the time for myself – outside of practice was was huge for me and the the consistency with that that not changing like after my after my junior year when I did have some success like I was still grinding there was never a point where there was this arrival or being good enough or like hey I hit this many home runs or got player of the week or whatever like it never it never derailed me from focusing on being my best and I think that that was something that chasing your best and being in the pursuit of your own path has a lot to do with how successful you can be. If you're trying to chase somebody else's standards or you're just trying to be better than the next competitor, you're setting your bar at their level. Whereas if it's me trying to take my best swings and have my best at bats and like do what I'm capable of doing and what's in my control, I think that it can definitely have a big impact on how you play. And I saw that and player of the year and everything like that was like, it's such a sweet thing because there was so much adversity that I worked through in not only in my softball career, but, but personally when I was at Campbell and to be able to come out of that on the other side with, you know, accolades or accolades, but it was just a sweet taste to me to know that you're getting rewarded for the process. And that doesn't always happen (laughs) to get rewarded for the process, but that was like not just two years at Campbell, that was four years of, of hard work of being a college athlete. And definitely that senior year going out on that high note was such a such a cool experience, and I'm super thankful for it. I do want to ask you as well before we dive in to, to Austria and all that fun stuff playing professionally, but at the end of the year award show, the, the Cammies, if you will, um, yourself and, and Melissa Tuller had a chance to, to hand out the Amanda Littlejohn Award to, to Madison, one of your good friends. And and someone who had overcome so much in her life. And, and and I guess I'm just kind of curious, you know, you guys had been together for years, and maybe I don't know how much everyone knew about her, her condition and having to basically check in with the trainer every day and make sure she was ready to go. But just your thoughts on, on being there to exchange a, a trophy with her and, and, and more importantly just kind of share her story and give a chance to live it out with her. I think that um, having that light shed on her story – was such a big moment just because not a lot of people knew what it was really like for her. I was very close with her and we were very close friends. Like I was at her house for Easter celebrating with her family when she first, I think the first night she went to the hospital for what ended up being the blood clots. And so like I was so close with her. So I was checking in and realizing what was going on. But a lot of times when that first happened during season, the team is very locked in on like, what needs to be done. If if she's not there, we're still trying to win games. And so that was like the mindset of, I would say like 95% of the team. But after coming back her sophomore year and realizing, I think that for a lot of the, a lot of the girls on the team, that was the first time that they had heard the insight um, on what actually she went through and what she had to overcome and still showing up and getting out on the field and doing what she could. And there was definitely days that, 
she was in a lot more pain than other days and just what she as a person was willing to push through. And it was always to benefit the team. Like she was always doing the best that she could do with her body, with the team in mind. And I think that just having that super selfless mindset, I mean, we're really close friends anyways, but just having that super selfless mindset to know that you have a teammate that has your back that thoroughly, that they're willing to put their body and their health on the line, like get a rib removed, but I can still play softball. Like that was her mindset. It just, it's inspiring. And for other people to be able to see that I think is huge. And to be the one handing her the award and knowing how close we are, it just, yeah, she deserves every bit of that and more. She's awesome. And it had to be neat personally yourself, not only to, to see her, but then, you know, once you graduate from Campbell, you're saying, hey, what's the next step? You know, there's a bunch of different ways to pursue professional careers. And we, we've seen it in the basketballs and the golfs of the world. But going overseas to a country in Austria, which to many of us was, oh, okay, they have a softball league. It was kind of more of a, you know, shock right. value and, and excitement. I, I'm curious your thoughts just going into it and what you learned playing not only in that league, but excelling and continuing to play. Um, I think that having that opportunity, I, <laughs> we come back to like the whim of things that happen in my life. Sometimes I feel like the luckiest person in the world because a lot of things just fall into my life and I'm very grateful for them. But um, how it all happened was I saw one of my friends, she played at Chico State, which is D2 here in California. I'd play travel ball with her and she was, she was a year older than me. So she had posted all these awesome pictures um, of her traveling and playing overseas. And so I kind of just messaged her and I said, Brooke, how'd you, how'd you go play overseas? Like, how'd you do that? And she said, you know what? It's a really word of mouth thing because being recruited from the States, there's only like a handful. And yeah. So she said like, let me put you in contact with someone. And she knows a lot of people in softball Europe and it'll see where it goes. And it was Martina Lackner, which ended up being one of my teammates. And so they kind of looked at my college stats. I sent them a few of our live games. This was maybe in like March or April so pretty close to when season was about to end and um they watched some of like our live stream games and stuff and they liked what they saw and it was like hey do you want to come play for our team and at the time i didn't even have a passport i had to go get my passport made i'd never been out of the country um and so i had it like rush done and it got there like two weeks before i left and i think it was we played in the what was the name of the tournament after it wasn't the ncaa one that Oh, right, right. The, I think they called you know it which one I'm NISC yeah. or something like that, yeah. Yeah, and we, we played in that tournament, and I think within five days after we were done with that, I was on a plane to go. Um, and when I went overseas, when I was first, like, talking to the team, they said, you know, the reason we bring in, they call them imports or, like, the American players, the reason we bring in imports is to really get, like, a better coaching knowledge out here for the team and to coach the team and help them out. Um, yeah, and just bring all the expertise of what I've learned playing softball for the last 20 years and share it with athletes in Europe because it's definitely smaller there, softball is. And so I go over there and I get there and the first practice, they were like the first day of practice, my roommate, who's also the manager of the team, she said, okay, so are you comfortable with like planning practice and, and doing all of it? And I, kind of, I was like, uh, sure. And so it's really a weird dynamic, but I was like a player coach. So I'm the coach of the team. I make the lineup. I build all the practices, but I'm also playing. And yeah, like I said, they do that so they can bring out all this expertise. A lot of, just to give you a little bit of background, um, since being out there for so many years, it's something I know a lot about, but um, softball in Europe is depending on the country you're in, 
Um, it can be bigger or smaller, but always smaller than the United States. They don't always have youth leagues. Some some countries like Italy has youth leagues and the Netherlands has youth leagues. Um, but other than that, it's like here or there. So a lot of these athletes actually start playing softball when they're old enough to play like in like the first the, the first division would be like the highest. So you're like 14 or 15 years old. Maybe if you're younger, you start when you're like 12 or 13 playing and you're not always playing against girls your age. You're kind of just thrown in this pool of like you could be 13 years old playing against somebody who's 40 or 45 still playing the game. And this is all done for fun. It's all like a hobby thing for them. But what a lot of the countries do is, yeah, they bring in these imports so they can coach and make the game better and grow the game there in their country, which is, I think, a a really, really cool thing. So each team will have about one or two imports on the team that usually pitchers and catchers, sometimes other position players that will come out and help coach and bring skill, but also, yeah, compete for their team. It was it was such a cool experience. And yeah, I, I ended up going back for three summers straight. So I really enjoyed the program I played for. And yeah, growing the game overseas is a really, really cool opportunity. And it gave me my first taste of coaching, which I never, ever knew that I wanted in my life. And now it's like the passion, the obsession. So <laughs> thankful for that. Yeah, it's fascinating because you talk about the import. And we were doing some research and reading up on articles with your New Zealand team. And you know, they were right there, hey, 1.87-meter import Amber Schistler, yada, yada, yada. You know, you get the terminology a little different with the, the metric mm-hmm. system and whatnot. But, you know, you went to a, a powerhouse club in, in New Zealand, and I think they won a couple titles in a row, and I know you were part of that. So just to travel to an even different part of the world and experience that, I mean, how, how did you continue to keep your eyes open and, I guess, learn on the fly? That New Zealand was actually awesome. So softball in New Zealand is, is definitely a little bit, more advanced than what you find in Europe. They have youth leagues in there. Softball is actually huge, huge cultural thing in New Zealand because the men play fast pitch there as well in New Zealand. Like growing up, all the boys, like you don't play in little league baseball. Like you play little league softball, the boys and the girls. It's huge there. And there's a lot of like men's fast pitch players. I mean, the New Zealand um, Black Sox team has won like so many world tournaments but um going over there i didn't have any coaching responsibilities and i was just playing again which is a real refresher and again that was totally word of mouth one of my former teammates from mcneese her name is jamie allred she had gone to play for the magpies and she had again instagram posts all these beautiful photos new zealand is the most beautiful place i've ever been in my life and she's posting all these photos so i asked her hey how'd you go play in new zealand and she said well i'm not going back to my club next year let me get you in contact and that was it so i played for the Western Magpies, and it was such a great club. I lived in Auckland, which is the biggest city in New Zealand by far. It's like they have a population of 4 million people in the country, and 1.4 of them, 4 million of them live in Auckland. So that was really cool. Um, Yeah, just playing for that club, and there's some quite competitive softball in New Zealand. There's some really, really aggressive, good power hitters. And so as a pitcher, that's that's a fun challenge to see. Um, also in New Zealand, like this is a weird little fun fact. They, the pitchers always pitch on mats. So you play on like every field you play on, even if it's like a dirt infield or whatever, there's like a rubber pitching mat. And that's like the standard for what they pitch on. I don't, I don't actually know why I just got there and being so tall, like there'd be some mats I'm stepping off of and some I'm staying on and (laughs) it was kind of funny, but that's, yeah, just like a little difference there but New Zealand was awesome it's definitely more competitive than the softball I found in Europe 
um, which was definitely fun. Well, a little fun fact for you, because, uh, of course, being in New Zealand, they've actually, you mentioned it, they've won seven men's titles in fast-paced mm-hmm. softball. And then I just Wikipedia'd this one a second ago, but Australia, which obviously the country right next door, they hosted mm-hmm. the first ever women's softball championship in 1965. Wow. So the yeah, culture is and, pretty neat. Yeah, the, the softball down there, and even Australia, like their national team is super competitive. I remember there was a girl... Ellen Roberts, who played in New Zealand at the time that I did, she played for one of the opposing clubs in the area. And I think she plays for the Australian national team, if I'm not mistaken, but she was a good pitcher. And every time it was like her and I, it was, it was a duel and it was fun because you have a challenging pitcher and I'm sure I'm, I would hope I'm challenging to throw to as a hitter. And it was always just a grind and yeah, it was really fun. And coming across all those different players from, overseas like you know you're playing against Australian national team players and I played with and against New Zealand national team um, players and just like seeing the different competition overseas and and all coming together over the love of this same sport is just such a cool feeling I'm going to be biased and and call California the hotbed of of softball (laughs) you know obviously Texas and and Florida have some stake there as well but Mm -hmm. so you're from San Diego and and all of a sudden you're you're now coaching as a volunteer assistant at USD the Toreros was it another one of those in a whims notice or how did you end up landing there it was a hundred it I think that's the pattern of my life I'm not mad at it because I get these wonderful surprises in life but um I had been applying to some jobs like you know assistant coaching positions and stuff but it was a super unsure thing for me because you know everybody comes back to school in August and I I did not have my flight back to the United States until October our finals were in like late September or middle middle of September in Austria and so I kind of was like I was thinking I was gonna have a whole nother year until the next wave of jobs came through. And I wasn't really expecting to start coaching um, in like the fall of 2019. I was kind of like being hopeful and applying, but um, I saw that the university of San Diego, you know, their, their coaches, they were clearing house and they were getting a new staff. And I was, I'm still in contact with coach Bradley and he had texted me and said, Hey, I know, I know that there's a new coach being hired at the university of San Diego. Like, I've met her a couple of times. Do you want me to reach out and like throw your name out there? Because I know, yeah, you're from there. And I was like, you know, I don't come back until October, but might as well like, yeah, put my name out there and we'll see what happens. And I ended up um, getting an interview and yeah, interviewing in like the middle of the night in Austria, but it was the daytime in, in California. And I had a really good conversation with, with coach Pasol. She just, she is such a good role model and I'm, super thankful to have landed this position. It's her first year here. She was at Southern Oregon and last year won the NAIA national championship with Southern Oregon. And so she came down to California after being there for five years. And she just, she has a passion for, for chasing excellence and and doing things the right way. And like, she really believes in the process and just to be able to, coach under a coach like her is is really inspiring and she, she just yeah sets a really good example for what I want to chase in my career um and I'm super thankful again one of those things that just fell into my lap but like I said I I got back I flew in at like 10 p.m on October 1st and I was on campus at 10 a.m the next day but it was like a wild ride but you know what the best way to kick jet lag is to just jump right into it right right and then you <laughs> crash at four in the afternoon you know but you made it through <laughs> But I did make it through, yeah. 
Uh, Amber, my final thought. I know you mentioned that you were coaching and playing in Austria, so obviously you kind of got thrown into the fire of the coaching side. Now that you've been doing it for six, eight months, a little more on a, on a full-time basis, what have you liked about interacting with kids and coaching them? And I, I guess, too, how have you developed a coaching style or, or learned to implement that in your day-to-day? Um, I think one thing that I enjoy more than anything about coaching is that the realization that it is so much bigger than the game and it is so much bigger than the game. And I think that that's why a lot of coaches are involved and 100% are you out there chasing to be your best and win games and put up a fight? Absolutely. But when it comes down to it, like the day in and day out, like you get what 56 games in a season, but you train, you know, the rest of the year for those kinds of things. And it, it changes for, from the athlete's perspective, it really builds them up as people and it gives them life skills that are just like you couldn't train them for the world, you know, things like time management and teamwork and integrity, all of these really big character traits are built through pounding your craft in this sport and a lot of sports. And so I think that for me now being on the coaching end of it and realizing that you can have a hand in making an impact in someone's life in a positive way, is such a such a cool feeling and I think that one coaching style that will probably always be by my side because it was something that I personally also went through is just like building up your mentality and confidence and understanding that preparing the mental side of the game it's sometimes feels like an uphill battle but it's so important um, getting yourself right mentally to be able to perform and just being able to help players out with that as a coach it's kind of like a full circle feeling of being able to give them the advice that I know I needed when I was struggling mentally with my confidence and, and putting it out there on the field. And so having a hand in that, I think will always be a part of my coaching style for sure. Well, Amber, that's awesome. We want to obviously hope that everyone's healthy and you can get back to coaching here soon, but otherwise we appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Always love supporting my alum. (laughs) Perfect. Amber. Thanks again. All right. Thanks so much.